0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. So our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 12. We'll be reading verses 28 through 34, and I read from the New Revised Standard Version. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said he is one, and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as as oneself. This is much more important than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices." When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask Jesus any questions. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O oh God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer, and we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, amen. So my last job before my first ministry appointment was a part of the Central Sterile Processing Department at Vera McKinnon Hospital right downstairs in the basement. And the responsibilities of our department were to sterilize reusable uh, surgical supplies, so like clamps and clips and instrumentation, and to supply the surgery department with sterile supplies. And I actually kind of have to restrain myself because I loved this job and I could talk about it for the next, you know, hour or so until we're all very bored and just want to go home. But I loved this job. This was my favorite non-ministry job. And so I had an opportunity during the summer of 2011 to do something very different with this job. You see, what happened is that our dedicated overnight person quit. And so we were left without a dedicated overnight person, and that overnight shift is very important. And so our department was facing a dilemma, how are we going to get these overnight shifts from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. covered? So one day my boss calls a staff meeting, and she says that she has a plan, and what's going to happen is that we are going to work a rotating night shift where you're going to be pulled off of your normal shift and stuck into the overnights. And I thought to myself, it's summer, my course load at the seminary is a little bit lighter than it usually is, maybe I should talk to Lindsay about just working straight overnights all summer long. And so I did. I talked to Lindsay and she was on board and then I went to work the next day and I volunteered as tribute to work straight overnights all summer long, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. at the hospital. What you need to know about that position, working overnights at CSPD, is that you are all alone for eight straight hours by yourself no one's there with you no one's working beside you you are all by yourself and the job on that overnight shift is to supply sterile supplies for emergency surgeries to process anything that had not gotten done during that day and to put away all the sterile supply that had come upstairs from the surgery or surgery department back down onto our shelves And some nights, i got to tell you, it was awful boring. Some nights, it was busy but manageable. But then there were other nights. There were nights in that department, during that job, on that overnight shift, there were nights that were just impossible. It had been a busy day for the surgical department, so it was a busy day for CSPD, and not everything got done to the point that there was stuff everywhere. There were dirty things in decontamination. There was unprocessed supply in in, in the processing department. There was not put away stuff on the sterile side. And my job all by myself over the next eight hours was to do it all. If you want to know how that worked out, I'll be glad to tell you after church. But just know it didn't go well. The question becomes when they face a shift like that, what do I do first? What's the most important? What matters most? And that's a good question, right? Like, that's a question right out of our Scripture for this morning. What matters most? Like, I was telling the kids just a little bit ago, the law of Moses, as it is contained in the books of of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, the law of Moses contains 600 13 individual laws, individual commands. And I got to tell you that following 613 laws feels an awful lot like an impossible night in central sterile processing. How could one possibly follow all of those laws perfectly all of the time? And the answer is is that people couldn't. Right? The answer is, is that it's simply impossible to follow 613 laws perfectly all of the time, always. And so the people of the Hebrew land had a series of sacrifices set up to be made right with God once again when those laws got broken. They were offerings like first fruits, offerings like grain offerings, offerings like animal offerings. And the Hebrew people had a series of purification rituals that was intended to keep them holy even when they couldn't live up to keeping the law because it was just that hard. And so from the time that Moses gave the law to the people of God, there has been efforts made to make it a little bit more manageable, to break down those 613 things to a more manageable lifestyle. And so several figures in Israel's history tried to answer this question. In the law, what is it that matters most? In the Psalms, David, the great king of the people, in Psalm 15, he wrote, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? And O Lord, who can dwell on your holy hill? Then he gave the people of God 11 different things to follow. If you give me the choice between 613 and 11, I know what I'm picking. Isaiah the prophet, during his ministry, narrowed those things down to six. That sounds better. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, the prophet says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with God? Now we're down to three. Now we are talking. And then the prophet Habakkuk says that the righteous shall live by their faith. One. Can you do one? I can do one. Still not perfectly, but I can do one. But the Hebrew Bible did not settle this debate. And so the question stood all the way into Jesus' public ministry. What? is it that matters most? And so the teacher of the laws, the the teachers of the law, kept this question alive by debating this question among themselves. And so it comes to pass in our scripture this morning that one of those teachers of the law heard Jesus. They overheard Jesus refuting the Sadducees regarding the idea of the resurrection. Because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection and Jesus obviously very much did. And so the teacher of the law comes to Jesus and he asks him what commandment is first of all. And like, keep in mind, to read this story from Matthew or from Luke, it would seem that this teacher of the law, this scribe, is trying to trick Jesus. But in Mark, it's almost as if the teacher of the law is so impressed by Jesus impressed by the conviction and the answers he just gave, impressed by the depth of his thought, that he comes to Jesus and asks a good and honest question. Which of the commandments is first? What is the most important? Jesus, what matters most? And like, I want to be clear about something. The teacher is not asking Jesus which of the laws need to be followed and which of the laws can be safely ignored. It's not like the teacher of of the law has come to Jesus and asked him about the speed limit on Highway 18 coming into Canton. Because I still don't know what that is. The teacher of the law isn't even coming to Jesus to ask about how how to make the law easier or less burdensome. The teacher of the law, the scribe, is coming to Jesus with a much bigger and a much better question. Because the teacher of the law is asking Jesus, what is the fundamental purpose of the law? What is it behind the law that makes all of these individual commands so important? And Jesus answers. Rather than quoting one of the uh, other answers that are already in Scripture, Jesus recites one of the oldest and most important prayers of the Hebrew people, a prayer called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then adding a verse from the book of Leviticus, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Apart from these, there's none that are more important this, friends, is the fundamental purpose of the law. This is the fundamental purpose of the rest of the law. The law is there so that the people of God could be led to love God and love other people. And when you read the law through that lens, 613 individual commands become much more manageable. In Jesus' words, these are the most important. And while we live under a new covenant, while we do not live subject to this law through the love and grace of Jesus Christ, these are still important for us too. Because these get at the heart of what every uh, these get at the heart of what is most important to us. In giving us these two commands, these two statements, Jesus has made everything so simple. Love God, love neighbor. Can you do two? I can do two. I may not be able to do it perfectly, but I can do two. But in giving us these two commands, Jesus has made everything so much more challenging because he calls us to love Jesus to love God with everything that we are with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our mind and all of our strength and by adding the words of Leviticus to love our neighbors and those that are around us as we love ourselves that doesn't leave a lot out does it in giving us these two statements Jesus has asked for absolutely everything. One of the commentaries I read this week put it this way, God loves us. God loves all that makes us who we are. God loves our whole person. And so our response to that love is to love God with our whole person, mind, soul, strength, spirit, And in adding the love of neighbor, Jesus takes these words from Leviticus further than any other Hebrew ever dreamed. And so 613 laws come to be boiled down to four words. Love, God, love, neighbor. The challenge is that despite what Jesus has said about what is most important, we all have our own ideas. And we can read and hear the words of Jesus. We can maybe even internalize the words of Jesus and still think, well, yeah, that's one person's opinion. We can say, but what about? We can say, well, what if? Where we are in our life can determine what is most important. Maybe you're working a good job that affords you a decent lifestyle and gives you a comfortable retirement. And that's what's most important. Maybe the competitive sports that have just ended were most important for a time. And now we're left wondering what's most important now. Maybe it's the school year, which is now over half over. Maybe that's most important. Where we are in our life can say a lot about what is most important. But what I find even scarier, what I find even harder to think about, is the fact that we can say that we agree with Jesus. We can agree that these two things matter the most. But then we live entirely differently. Our actions say something entirely different. Remember that it is Jesus who said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And there is an implicit challenge in those words because what Jesus is saying when he says this is will you take the next step and follow me? All that will cost you is everything. Lent is the perfect time for us to consider this reality and to ask this good question and to honestly reflect what is the most important thing in my life? Is it my job? Is it my sense of safety? Is it good health or financial security? And like, don't get me wrong, those are all good things, but they cannot be the most important. Because Jesus has already told us, love God, love neighbor. this morning, I ask you the good question. What matters most? Is it what Jesus said it should be? And if not, why not? And if not, how do you get to the point in your life that it is? And to that, I would just say to watch Jesus to look to Jesus throughout the Gospels, to look how he set his priorities, and then to set our our own priorities. Because it is Jesus who has loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is Jesus who loved his neighbor as himself. It is Jesus who did all of these things perfectly. Let us pray together. Mm -hmm. living Christ, we look at our lives and those things that we call priorities. And we just admit to you that sometimes our priorities are not exactly what you would have us have them be. We get distracted. We deceive ourselves. We forget So use this Lenten season. Use this odd little time in our lives to give us space to reevaluate. To give us peace in our convictions. And give us a larger hope and a larger vision that is grounded. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a videocast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.